All right, by the looks of uh, the number of people here this morning, I think, I think people are, um, were waking up expecting just to uh, have everything washed away or have like two lions and two dogs and two cats and two, two of everything in their backyard. Uh, and uh, they're just poking their head out to see if, if, uh, if everything's... Either that or they have basements and now they have a hot tub. Um, so <laughs> never mind that green stuff growing in your hot tub. Yeah, right? So, um, by, by watching my boys, my four boys, um, uh, it's pretty obvious that giving each other significance is not an ingrained thing in us. In fact, I think uh, when, when we're born, we have this just ingrained in us that actually significance is a limited resource that I have to hoard and I have to take for myself and take from you just by watching my four boys because they'll do anything possible to take significance from their brothers, right? And so last week, Paul kicked off this series on civil war. He kicked off this series. He did an excellent job, fantastic job. Uh, and he told us he, that love is sacrifice. That is the foundation. That is the foundation of this series, that love is sacrifice. And I felt the love from Paul last week, like big time. Like he was looking out for me, very much so. So much so, he, just, he didn't want me to have to be the only one to ever apologize from the stage. So thanks for looking out for me, bro. Appreciate it. Your love is just infectious. So love is a sacrifice. And we're building on that platform throughout the next seven weeks. And so, on Civil War, when I was thinking about this series, I was thinking, it, it, it came to me, it dawned on me, about all, well, the two in particular, Civil War movies that we got last year. Not, no, not like, you know, Mr. Burns' Civil War, you know, the nine things that you've watched in high school, but actually the, the Marvel Civil War, Captain America Civil War, and Batman versus Superman Civil War type movies last year. And that, and that I, I, I'm watching those movies going, can't we all just get along, right? Can't we all just stop it? Stop your fighting. And can we all get along? And uncivil war, like the uncola, right? That, 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 that civil war is actually a, a paradoxical statement, correct? Like civil war, is, that's paradoxical. When you say uncivil war, you're just kind of like, what are you meaning like, no, uncivil war is in like, we're not fighting against each other and having these internal battles. And so, uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, great section of verses in there. It's in the study guide in the event app. I, I highly encourage you to download the Bible app and you can follow along uh, in the event there. And it talks about how, how the, the nation of Israel was devouring each other. And boy, does that ever talk, talk, sound like our culture today. Our number one enemy is not ISIS and terrorism, it's devouring each other. And that we need an uncivil war. Because we have a civil war going on. And it's devouring each other. It's not with weapons of, of mass destruction. It's the weapons of our mouth. Weapons of what we type. We need an uncivil war. And today we're going to take a look at significance. And, and really those, those civil war movies I was talking about is about significance. About who is the, the most significant. Is Batman the most significant? Superman the most significant? Is Wonder Woman the most significant? Guys, don't answer that. Unless your wife's over there <laughs> in the, with the kids. Don't answer that. 
but we'll know by your box office dollars this summer if you think she's most significant. But anyway, that's another sermon separate from this one. See, we think significance is a limited resource. We want to take it from somebody else. In order for me to be the most significant, I have to take your significance in order to have the most. No surprise, spoiler alert, the Bible thinks otherwise. Paul, a guy who wrote most of the New Testament, not our Paul, I always feel like I have to you know, separate this, the, not our Paul, but the Paul that wrote the New Testament, he, he at one point in time thought he was the most significant, but now we're going to read, as we, we, we read this letter to one of his churches, the, the church in Philippi, about how to live with significance. Philippians 2, starting in verse 1. Again, you can follow along in the, in, the, in the event, in the Bible app, or break out a Bible, we'll put the verses up on the screen. If then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, Paul is setting up an if-then statement, right? With his first verse. He's setting up an if-then statement. And he is emphasizing both the if and the then statements by saying them multiple times. He's wanting to drive home his point. He's wanting to go real deep with his point. He's wanting to make sure that you understand his point because he's going to say his point several different ways. Paul, you're right, like, it's going to be difficult this morning. We're just going to have to trudge through everything. Nobody's going to pick up anything or anything else. So it's just suffering together, brother. So actually, actually, I think this might be the second time I've ever said this. I like the King James Version better here. Here, I like the King James Version better. It fits much more appropriately with Crosspoint. Go, Go ahead. If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. What is going on here? If you've been with us for a while, several months ago or maybe a year or so ago, we had a series where we talked more about bowels and bowel movements in particular. And the Greek culture, the bowel was the seat of the most violent passions and emotions. Love and hate. And so really what Paul is saying here, if there is any twinge in your bowels for each other, as I was getting ready for this sermon this morning, I just came up with another cross point t-shirt saying, I've had a bowel movement for you, Philippians 2.1. And I was texting Paul yesterday about that. He was like, you have to make that t-shirt. And that was Friday, and it was just not wasn't going to happen. Actually, Paul, I have an even better idea. You know, we've talked about <laughs> we've talked about the urinal advertisements over at Bears. We've had a bowel movement for you. Crosspoint, 10 a.m. Sunday. Yeah. So, I think that would intrigue a drunk guy. I just <laughs> just think so. But in our vernacular, in our context, what Paul is saying, if you have any feeling in your heart towards one another, verse 2, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way. Have the same concept with the last one being the main, main one. He's not saying that we have to think, ple- we're, we're, we're extremely diverse churches. 
You had slave and oppressed by the Roman government. Uh, and, and you had all kinds of people in these churches uh, uh, roamed the same way on everything. But what he is saying, if you love each other at all, wait, have this one goal in mind. What's that goal? And the other translations say, more significant than yourselves. Everyone, the Bible thinks that significance and really probably every one of these actions over the course of the next seven weeks that we're looking at is unlimited. That if that we have the opportunity to create more significance and when we give away significance that we create, that other person is more likely to then give away their significance. It's an unlimited resource. It's not a limited resource. And in this culture where we think that, that significance is limited and I've got to take away from yours in order to have mine, what a difference it would make if a bunch of people who don't always think the same way about every last thing did think the same way about this one thing that we are going to give away significance. We're going to create significance and give it away so that we can be different than everybody else around us. And we have one model for this. One model. And this is how we do this. Philippians 2.5, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. That's all we got to do. Make your attitude the same as the perfect Son of God. Congratulations. Drive safely. Turn around. Don't drown. Buckle your seatbelts. Right? Like, congratulate. You know, that's all you got to do is make your attitude the same as the been placed in us as well. If we believe in Jesus to, 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 to achieve righteousness through, then the Holy Spirit dwells in the attitude of Christ already in us. We just have to tap into it. And so what was the attitude? This thing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and is under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we've got the Civil War attitude of, of us and how we're born and, 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 and how we just strive against each other. But then we have the uncivil war attitude of Jesus. That rivalry and conceit that we, that we read in the, in the earlier section. Ethical electioneering. Unethically trying to get the vote. That ourselves that we take and, and, and make somebody else less significant so that we get their vote. Uh, uh, election cycle, anybody? What if one person ever attempted to try to get elected according to Philippians 2? It'd be a risk, wouldn't it? But we'd enjoy it. It'd be a breath of fresh air. But even on Facebook, don't we try to do that? I'll just put this article right here, dot, 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 right? So that you'll vote for me. So that you'll vote for my viewpoint. So that you'll vote for what I, what I agree with. We try to make ourselves significant. What did Jesus say? Here, I've said, I'm going to say this twice in the same message. King James actually gives us a better view into this. 
2.7, but made himself of no reputation. Not that he was a slob, but that Jesus didn't come here to get voted on. He wasn't looking to get the vote for himself. When Jesus did a miracle, what did he tell people? Shh, say nothing. That's not how you start a movement. That's not how you get political clout. That's not how you get everybody behind you. He was a man of no reputation. Voted on. Like some high school or middle school translated it out into adulthood. That's another. Um, I believe the next one that I, I had on here was that I'm the most important. If I'm going to gain significance, I have to be the most important. But for Jesus, what did he do? He came in the form of the slave. Is there anything less important than a slave? Than a servant? He became a slave. And that is our model in this uncivil war, that we make ourselves a slave to all, even those who don't have the same viewpoint as us. I mean, shoot. To kind of paraphrase Jesus, isn't it easy to love those that see the same way politically as you? Make yourself a slave. But I'm an American. I have rights. Yeah? PA will preach more about this next week, but Paul tells us in another section how we're supposed to use our freedom and our rights. And it's not how we want to use them. See, when Paul says, make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, does that sound like something that comes naturally? No. It sounds like your attitude this way. Now, we have a, you just have to learn how to tap into it. That'd work in the bathroom too, wouldn't it? <laughs> What's that? We just got to tap into it. See, making ourselves a slave isn't easy because the most significance that we can get. But people, a slave says, especially a voluntary one, please do. Another Civil War attitude is that we look out only for our own interest. Only our own interest. That's all we're interested in is our own interest. But it says about Jesus that He was obedient unto death. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing less self-interested than dying for other people. Right? I think I said that somewhat correctly. When you die for somebody else, there is no accusation of, PA, I know you died for somebody else, but boy, that was such a selfish move. I mean, there's like, this <laughs> doesn't work, right? There's nothing less self-interested than, than dying for somebody else. And that's what Jesus did. And no interest in his own gain. He died in order so that the 8 billion people that had lived up to that point and 
or up to this point today, and the 8 billion people that live today, and however many billion people more will live in the future, he died for all of those billions of people in order to find freedom and salvation from sin. He wasn't interested in his own interest. That's an uncivil war, right? If we're not interested in our own reputation, if we become a slave, if we are obedient to death, isn't that an uncivil war? Isn't that going to smooth some things out? There's less to fight. How do you fight with a slave? Do more for me. Okay, no problem. There's no fight there, is there? What are we saving ourselves for? Obedient to death. What are we saving ourselves for? I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What are we saving ourselves for? In suburban culture, we're trying to save ourselves for retirement? What are we saving ourselves for? What did Jesus save himself for? Nothing. Gave himself up. The good news is that probably 100% of us won't die because we're giving ourselves up for somebody else. Right? It's just a figure, figure of speech that we're dying for somebody else. And look, here's the deal. Your jobs, it's the same way. Am I assigning? I, I, I assign soccer referees. I got 150 plus referees that I assign plus uh, on behalf of all the teams and the coaches and the fans and, and the players. Like, when it's all tough, I'm overwhelmed, I remind myself, I'm serving these people. What are we saving ourselves for? It's not just ministry-minded, it's in our jobs as well. See, ultimately, civil war is about self-exaltation. I am going to exalt myself. Uncivil war is about God exaltation. Now, not God exaltation is I'm going to exalt God through worship. That's not really, that's not really what I'm meaning. What I'm meaning is that God will exalt us. Wait a minute, what? God will exalt us? First of all, we see Jesus that because he did all this and that he went in the form of a slave and that he made himself no reputation even though he's God and, and, and all that, God exalted him to a name above every name so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Either voluntarily in this life we will do so or not involuntarily as like God says, bow to me when, 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 we, when we face him after our death, but we will recognize and witness his holiness, his perfection, his greatness, and we, our bodies, will involuntarily bow before him because we'll witness his greatness at that point in time. God exalted Christ. God gave Christ the glory that he had. And he wants to do the same thing with us. And I know internally you're probably battling with me right now. Hold on a second. God doesn't share his glory with anybody. I read this on Monday night. Or I was reading this on Monday night. And I knew that this was a concept that God shared his glory with us. But I didn't have a whole lot of backup verses. The first thing I read Tuesday morning when I got up and 
uh, was spending my time with God, I'm reading through Isaiah right now, was this. Imagine this. Like, this is the first thing. It was on my mind going to bed. This is the first thing I read getting up. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord shines over you. He's talking about Israel. And really, in, in Isaiah 60, he's talking about future Israel. Really, not a nation of Israel, but everybody who has faith in God as Israel. For look, darkness covers the earth, and total darkness the people's. But the Lord will shine over you, and His glory will appear over you. Sounds like God's interested in sharing His glory, isn't it? Often glory and light are interchangeable. Nations, those who are far from God, will come to your light that I have given you, and kings to the brightness of your radiance. God shares His glory. If we keep reading in Philippians 2, Paul says the same thing. 14, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, a dark generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Sounds a lot like Isaiah 60, doesn't it? A lot of churches bemoan our culture going to hell in a handbasket. I'm not refuting that we are more godless in this generation. Not refuting that. When does the light shine brighter? In the darkness, doesn't it? When does giving significance away shine brighter? When everybody else is looking to take significance for themselves. Yesterday, because um, games got completely washed out, I didn't have to be at the soccer field yesterday, um, we went uh, to Target. Our main goal was buying uh, for a te- teacher appreciation, which is this next week. Clue in for those of you not teachers, it's next week, right? And, um, of course, when we go to Target, uh, parents, uh, what do we get? Can I buy something? Can I buy something? Can I buy something? Can I buy something? Wait. You know, stressed. We're, we're here. You know, yes, you can look at stuff, blah, 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 but we're here for your teachers. And, you know, they get excited to go look through the toys and stuff and look through the toys, and they're excited about that and everything. And they're, you know, looking at this, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this, and I want that. And, you know, uh, end up having the discussion. You're just wanting to buy something just to buy something, right? We don't need another piece of junk in our home. And so they're excited to look at that stuff for themselves, right? But when we get over and we start looking for their teachers, there's a different sort of excitement that sets in. And you can tell it. It's the same thing that happens at Christmas. We, we have six people in our family, so therefore we have enough to draw each other's names. And that's what we do. They want stuff for Christmas, but you can tell there's a different excitement when they think about and go buy something for somebody else. What is that doing? That's making that other person more significant. And you can see that light shining out in them. Right? 
In a world that wants to battle and gain significance and gain votes any way possible, what happens when a people decide, I'm not going to live that way? I'm going to create significance and I'm going to give it away to other people. Isn't that bright living? And this works in the family, in the workplace, in a community, works in the church. And God has given this to the church in order to be the light to those far from Him. The question now remains is this. Will you, will I, decide to live by giving away significance? Is that how we'll live? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this day. I thank You that You made us more significant than ourselves. That's, that's just completely difficult to even think about. That the Holy God would make us more significant than Your own life. That's what You did. Lord, we, we all just sit before You knowing that this is a struggle. It's a struggle inside every one of us. Grow us in this concept. Thank You. We love You. It's in the name we pray. Amen.